Hello and welcome to Witchy Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Lauren Cholantani, women's holistic health coach and fellow recovering perfectionist. This podcast was created to show you that your body is not in the way, it is actually leading your way. Hello, hello, welcome back to Witchy Wellness. You are listening to episode 177, Fit, Mindset, and Body with Kathleen Trotter. I am very particular about the type of CBD and hemp products that I use. There's so much hype and lack of testing and quality in the industry. So the company that I love and use is Evo Hemp. Not only do they have a beautiful product like hemp seeds, CBD oil, gummies, even hemp chocolate, protein bars, protein powder. They also support a 40-acre co-op farm in Minnesota, which is farmer-owned, focusing on bringing quality and innovation back to Black, Indigenous, and other socially disadvantaged farmers. So if you are looking into trying any type of CBD or hemp products, head over to evohemp.com. The link is in the show notes and make sure you use code witchy, W-I-C-T-H-Y for 20% off of your purchase. Without further ado, please enjoy episode 177, Fit Body and Mindset with Kathleen Trotter. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Witchy Wellness Radio. This is the show you learn how your body and your emotions are not in the way. They are actually leading the way. And we have a beautiful repeat customer, repeat guest today, Kathleen Trotter. She is here to help talk all about how we can develop small habits that will help us achieve our long-term health goals and why acting as if is the key to those goals. And we're going to get nerdy today, but you're going to like it. More on Kathleen. She's a fitness expert, media personality, personal trainer, writer, and author of Finding Your Fit, a compassionate trainer's guide to making fitness a lifelong habit, as well as your fittest self, making choices today for a happier, healthier, fitter future you. Kathleen has been a personal trainer and fitness fitness expert for nearly 20 years. She's been currently writing for publications like Huffington Post and has regular monthly uh, segment on BT Montreal, as well make frequent media appearances on other television shows. Kathleen's unique approach to fitness and coaching, namely that the person's mindset is just as important as the number of hours as they spend in the gym, sets her apart from many of her peers and her commitment to improving the overall overall well-being of her clients rather than just helping them hit a number on the scale. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Kathleen. Thank you for coming on again. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Honestly, I loved our chat last time. And, you know, if anybody could have heard our pre-show talk, like we were just <laughs> nerding out on all the topics of health and wellness. And, um, you know, that that bio, when you say I've been in this field for almost 20 years, oh, time just goes, right? Yeah. But I think especially when it's something that you're so passionate about. Um, and the one thing before we start, I just want to say, you know, in the intro, it says that about mindset and, and hours in the gym. And I just, I want to start by just saying it's almost like that needs to be tweaked that yeah. it's more important 
more that's than the time I was that you thinking. yeah I thought um, I read it wrong yeah you're like oh no I <laughs> wait, think wait. I read it right but I, I think I wrote it wrong because yeah. I think the thing about mindset is it is what allows you to get to the gym because it's the self-talk behind like oh should I not go today maybe I don't want to maybe I'm too tired and it's the thing that allows you to say like no health and wellness is a non-negotiable I have to go because I will feel better when I'm done and if I don't go I will feel like crap and the only workout you ever regret is the one that you don't do and like those are the thoughts that are in your head and the best part is the more powerful your mindset, the more productive your mindset, the more often you make choices that serve you. And then the more choices you make that serve you, the more powerful your mindset becomes. So it's this wonderful upward spiral, right? And so you make the choices and then you feel good about the choices and then you remember how good you feel. And that desire then fuels future behavior. And that's what's so cool about learning about mindset and about learning about self-talk. And so many people think, well, that comes later, or that's sort of like the softer side of fitness. And I just have to go and I just have to do, and I have to work out. It's like, yeah, but you can maybe make yourself work out for a week, two weeks, a month, maybe with an unproductive mindset, maybe, but it's not sustainable and it won't last. And so if this is something you want to do for the rest of your life, that mindset is so, 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 so critical. So I don't know. Anyway, I hope that people are that listening, they're thinking about all this stuff and they're like, okay, I got to have that upward spiral. So how do I create that upward spiral? Um, And, you know, it's just like anything that makes you feel good about yourself. And then you prove to yourself that you can do it. And then your identity starts to shift. Anyway, I don't know. How does that all land? land Oh my gosh. Yes, yes, yes. All (laughs) yes to all of the above. And I know we're going to dive deeper in to kind of the neuroscience behind the mindset and why a lot of times we feel like we might self-sabotage. It's it's not, it's not a, it's not a you thing. It's a being a human thing and how we can really work with our biochemistry and, and our brains. But before we do that, I know yeah. we, we've, I, we had you on before, but could okay. you do just a brief, um, how did you get into this? Right. The, the, the fitness world. Right. And the sort of elevator the mindset. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, keep so it as short as you want. Okay. Short as, oh, I don't know. I don't do short very well. I, I think, know. As you know, it's like 17 <laughs> hours later. We're still talking here. This is because I love this all stuff so much. Um, so the short version is unhealthy, unhappy kid. I'm six feet tall, sort of overweight. I really didn't like being in my body. And my mom was always trying to me to, you know, get to do ballet or things with my peers. And I just hated it. And I, I, I basically, I wouldn't do it. I'd lie to get out of gym class. I'd cry. I'd say I was sick. So finally, what my mom said to me was like, fine, like those solutions are not working for you, but we have to find a solution that fits you, something that you will do uh, because being active has to be thought of as a non-negotiable, but how you're active is up to you. And so that was a, such a big part of my first book, finding your fit of this idea of find what works for you, frame it as a non-negotiable, but you know, if you want to do yoga, do yoga. If you want to go to the gym, go to the gym, as long as you're moving. Um, And I really learned that from my mom. Honestly, she said, okay, we're going to get you a membership to the YMCA. And we lived in a really small town. So the demographic of the Y was like over 40 and under five. And she's like, you're going to start with 10 minutes of walking. And that 10 minutes moved into 20 and then 30 and then some weights. And then I started taking aerobics classes and then I started teaching aerobics classes. And then I decided to do this, you know, to go, I was going to do, I wanted to go to law school, but you could do anything for your undergrads. And I was like, well, I'll do kinesiology and do personal training. And then I finished that. And I was like, I don't really want to go to law school. So then I ended up doing 
Pilates certification and then my master's in exercise science. And it was just this small, oh, circle back to the upward spiral, right? And I really am so grateful to my mom because it's so easy to think that's not a big enough step. Like 10 minutes is not big enough. I have to do four hours. But then if you won't do four hours, the benefit of anything is moot if you won't actually make yourself do it. The benefit of the best doesn't matter if you won't do it. And so my mom just found, you know, a way in for me that was doable. And, you know, I always say to my clients, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to get great. And it's just finding those little ways in um, that are enough to sort of motivate you and, and make you feel like you're progressing, but are not so much that you feel paralyzed with that sort of analysis paralysis, that shame, the, oh my God, I can't do it. Um, and I think what my story hopefully shows everybody is that you that you don't have to be born, you know, fit or an athlete to become somebody who loves health and wellness. And it can be a gradual process and you can learn the skills. You know, I often say to clients, the skills of achieving your health is like going to driver's ed and learning how to drive. Like there's a, there's a skill set with achievement. There's a skill set, a science behind goal setting. And, you know, it's not a class that we're taught in school. I think it actually should be, you know, the sort of neuroscience behind goals and figuring out how to do steps that work. And I call it setting goals, not wishes. Um, but for the most part, I think we all have learned to set wishes like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to lose 20 pounds or I'm going to become active, but without then stepping back and figuring out the steps behind what is needed to make those goals a reality. Um, but I hope that what people are going to get out of this conversation with us is that that if that has happened to you over and over again, that is, as you said, not a you problem. That is like a, a, a feature of the brain that you just haven't figured out yet. It's like a human problem that we all, our brains are there to keep us alive, not healthy and happy. And we have to understand that there's so much going on in the brain and the body that are almost more like neutral. It's like they're just systems. They're just features of being human. They're not quote unquote, a bug in our system. They're just a feature. And once we understand the feature, we can use that to propel us towards our goals. We can use that for success, but we have to take the shame out of it. We have to take the sort of criticism and be radically honest and be, put it all on the table, but use it as sort of data and learn to understand what's going on. Like what is going on? What is our neurochemistry? How, what is our brain trying to help us do? Oh, right. It's trying to help us stay alive. Um, and we were talking before we started that we both love this and the Andrew Huberman podcast. So if you are somebody listening and you're loving, oh, this idea of the science, really recommend his podcast. Um, and I think, you know, his work is fan, like his just work is great. Like each podcast is basically like a, a like a, a lecture because he's a neuro um, ophthalmologist from Stanford. So it's just like two hours talking about different topics. Um, so yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's when you can understand the science of the body, what's wonderful about it is it's freeing. So it's not, you no longer wake up in the morning think, oh my God, I'm a bad person. I'm a failure. You think, oh, I just haven't figured out the steps yet. I don't yet know, you know, the science of goal setting and fitness. And, you know, I, like I've never, for example, taking, taken engineering. So if I was trying to figure something out and I didn't know something about an engineer topic, I wouldn't think like, oh, I'm stupid or I'm a failure. I would just think like, oh, well, obviously I don't know this. I didn't go to school for this. 
this. And then I would go and I'd get a book and I'd hopefully learn some stuff or I'd phone up a friend who's an engineer and I'd talk to them. And that's sort of what I want your listeners to get at this idea of you didn't take a class in undergrad like Fitness 101 or Goal Setting 101 or, or Neurochemistry 101. So of course you're not an expert in your body. You're not an expert on how to figure out all this. And that's okay. That Again, that's just something to learn and an an opportunity for advancement, right? I love it. And our conversation today is obviously going to be more neuroscience-based, but it's coming from this loving place of movement and exercise and fitness and health. Yes. That when doing things to make us feel better, and healthier. Yes. Yeah. Well, it, doing things that serve us, right? Serve us. Yes. So let's, yeah. Doing things that serve us because it's not like, it's interesting because sometimes doing things that serve you actually in the moment isn't yeah. happy making, right? Like <laughs> no. a really hard run or a really like hard Peloton run in our workout in the moment feels like kind of drudgerous and crap, but it serves me. And by the end of it, boy, do I feel powerful and strong. So I think there's this really interesting thing when you're trying to figure out health and wellness of, you know, what you sort of like the difference between want and needs mm-hmm. and the difference between short-term desires and sort of long-term goals. And often we let our short-term desires derail our long-term goals. So part of health and wellness is stopping in the moment when you have a desire for, I don't know, chocolate cake or to skip a workout or whatever, and sort of say, okay, like, is this a want or is this a need? Will this serve me or this won't? And often like skipping a workout is a want, but the need that your body has is to move, to to sweat, and you will feel so much better after. Um, And sometimes the indulgence, you know, a beautiful piece of cake on your birthday, that is a want, but it is also a need as in like, it's a need to connect with your friends and family. And you can then decide to have a very, like a small, moderate piece and enjoy every moment and savor it. So it's not that I'm saying to anybody, like, you know, you have to live, you know, like an automaton, I will only eat vegetables (laughs) and I will work out. Like, that's not the point, but I do want you to have enough sort of awareness to, you know, take a pause and be like, okay, so does this serve me? Um, And that is, you know, to circle back to what we started with, the greatest part about health and wellness is the more you make choices that serve you, the more those choices make you feel good. And then the more you have that data in your brain of like, you know, one of the reasons why I'm much, much better at working out now than at I was 20 years ago is I have 20 years of data that shows me the worse my mood, the more important my workout, right? Um, but again, like, okay, so let's go back to this sort of neurochemistry, neurobiology, yes, the dopamine, the dopamine, yes. this is a great thing to understand. So, you know, if you understand that dopamine is a neurochem neuromodulator, and basically if you think about it as the molecule of motivation or the molecule of more, so that's a wonderful book. If you, if you're listening to this and you're like, I want a book, it's called the molecule of more awesome book, all on dopamine. Um, but it really is the thing that propels us forward. So Andrew Huberman often um, quotes this uh, rat science study where they um, both, so if you have two rats beside each other and there's like chocolate or food right beside them, the, the person with no dopamine will literally, the person, the rat, the, the, the study, the person being studied uh, will eat the food that's right beside them. So they can still get pleasure without dopamine. But if their food is moved even a little bit away from them, they won't move to get the thing that's given them pleasure. So it's not that you can't get pleasure without dopamine, but you can't, you don't get that drive to go after the reward of pleasure. So the the dopamine really is 
Um, in the book, they call it the, the salesperson of the future. It's the it's the molecule that makes you feel like, oh yeah, I want to lose 20, 20 pounds. Oh yeah, I want to run that marathon. Oh yeah, I want to do that future thing. So what's cool is that once you understand that that desire to propel yourself forward, the desire to get somewhere in the future, uh, that this is um, by a large part created by a dopamine release in your body, then you can gain the system. So you can say, okay, I understand that I will get a hit of dopamine when I get little rewards, when I get that feeling of moving towards that bigger goal. Because part of the problem is big goals are in the future and they feel really powerful when you create them. I, I will run that marathon. But if you don't do the little goals, you don't little things between now and the marathon, you'll never get to the marathon, right? So one of the cool things about dopamine is if you can harness the power of the little win, then you actually get that little dopamine hit while you go towards the big goal. So I think when I say to my clients, okay, we're going to really harness little wins. We're going to note all the little things you do every day that makes um, that are that support your the process. People often look at me like, oh, Kathleen, like, like I don't know, that's kind of lazy, or that's too little to make a difference, or that's not a big deal, or that seems like too easy. Like they just don't think it's like or hard enough. And what I try to like push on people is, it's not that I want you to do the little goals instead of the big goals. I want you to do the little goals so you can get to the big goal because otherwise you set this massive goal and then the alarm goes off and it's 6 a.m. in the morning and you're tired and you're warm in bed and you want to stay. And then you're like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? But if you can harness those things of noting the progressions as you go, then each time you tag a little win, you get that little bit of hit of dopamine as you work towards your future goal. So, um, Andrew Huberman was on Impact Theory with Tom Billy. I was just and, going to say that. Oh episode. God, you and I- <laughs> so he talks all about this exact issue of yeah. little wins and dopamine in that episode. And it's such a great episode. And he does a way better job than explaining it than I do. Um, but for me, like, although I like the neuroscience, for sure I do. Um, I think he likes the neuroscience more. What I like more about it is I want to take shame away from people because I really think that it's one of the things that derails our progress so strongly is this idea of we go into a shame spiral. And I go, I remember back, you know, when I wasn't fit part, so much of it was that I felt so terrible about myself as an identity. Like I had so much shame about me and who I was. And I think it's important to recognize there's a difference between shame and guilt, right? So shame is, I am a bad person. I am an unfit person. I am an unworthy person. And guilt is, I made a choice that didn't serve me. And now I fix that choice. So I, again, I'm not arguing that everyone's like, oh, whatever I want to do. Kathleen told me to eat 75 cookies and skip all the workouts. And you know, she said to be nice to myself because I shouldn't shame myself. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that once you understand that, you know, you need this dopamine to help you move forward. And you can understand that setting goals, you don't just set it and then forget it. You have to create these steps along the way. If, and you understand that the science of goal setting is a science, something that you learn. And if you've never learned, you, you can't beat yourself up for not knowing it. Then what, when you fall off the path or you don't, you know, A plus the science of goal setting, you can say, okay, this is not me being a bad person. This is not me shaming myself. It's not that I'm destined to be unfit always, or I'm destined to be overweight. You can say, okay, no shame in the game. There's guilt. I can, I can pinpoint the thing I did that I didn't love. And then I can work to understand the, you know, 
neuroscience, the behavioral science, the emotional, like the psychology behind it. And then I can make a better choice. And that's on, like, honestly, the thing that I love about understanding science is that because when we shame ourselves and when we make yourself feel like crap, it just sends you down a negative downward spiral. And I am all for the upward spiral. And that negative shame spiral is, you know, I'm just an unfit human, so why even try, right? I'm a crappy human. I might as well eat 17 cookies. Um, and it's just not helpful. And people think, well, if I shame myself, that will be helpful. I'll be like, I'll be motivated. And it's actually just not like all the literature shows. It's not true. You, guilt will motivate you and possibly shame in the very short term, right? But long term, it is not a way for sustainable change. So I don't know. Do you, you're like not, do you have anything to add? No, I love the fact that you listen to that impact theory. Podcast. Oh, oh my God. You're amazing. It is so good. Like I'll, I'll link that one. I think he was on there twice. Um, I, don't that I can remember there was one Possibly. that was like a virtual interview later on, but okay. one thing I did take away from the first interview was that Tom, the, the host of impact yeah. Theory was saying, you know, after I might reach a huge goal, I feel like mm-hmm. crap afterwards. Yes. Right. And yes. it's, it, and it, it's not only the small wins help you get, keep motivated if you will mm-hmm. and work that mm-hmm. system, but it also prevents this huge dopamine dump yes. at the end yes. goal. And it, for yes. me, that is like the science of how to enjoy the journey more than yes. the end goal or destination. Yes. So, and for me, yeah. I, I love like when you, the quote, a, a human or a man or a woman right. who enjoys the process of the journey more than the destination is somebody who's unstoppable. And that's something yes. that I think, I I'm love like, that. That. like that's so, dopamine. That's what it is. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Well, so I guess I would have two things to say back to that. Again, once you understand that, that reward so that's called reward prediction error and that has a lot to do with dopamine so once you expect a big big goal you expect to feel really good and then it ends you know somebody people often say that after weddings or after big like beach vacations or they reach a goal like and then that is part of the problem with having like only finite goals in your health system right so if you have a finite system where you're like you reach the goal and then you think like oh i'm done then it's easy to feel sort of revert back to sort of not as great habits. That's why sort of having more of an infinite mindset of this is one goal along the many can be very helpful. So that's, that's really very strong. But I also think that once you know that that's very common with dopamine, again, you can say, this isn't me. This is not my failure. This is neurochemistry and this is reward prediction error. And this is the, this is what happens with dopamine is you create, you get there. It's not quite as good as you thought it was going to be. And then you revert back often to a lower dopamine state than when you started the big goal, unless you can do what you just said, which was have little goals along the way and also know that this is coming and that you can then plan for this slightly dump and then you, this dopamine dump, and then you can plan to have other little goals, or maybe you decide to set a goal to really manage the dopamine dump really well. So then you're actually getting a dopamine hit as you manage the dope, right? Like, so this is what's so cool about neurochemistry and knowing the body and knowing that this is not a bug of your system. This is just how it works because the amount of people who've come in to me, especially after something like a big wedding where they're so hyped up and they're so into it and they're so like, they feel like they're going to be happy for life and then they have their wedding and then they're kind of depressed and then they start to eat not so well and they don't have a lot of um, sort of purpose. And then I can just sort of say like, 
this isn't you. This is just human. Okay, let's hold ourselves with compassion and let's say, great, what is going to actually serve you? You know what's not going to serve you? Lying on the sofa and eating a bunch of cookies. That's not going to serve you. You know what is going to serve you? Go on a girlfriend, go for a walk, talk about how you're feeling, get some exercise. Um, and so it's it's liberating once you understand what's going on in the body. And it's not that you're a failure. It's just that you don't know, you don't yet, yet. And that yet is a really big, important word when it comes to sort of um, growth mindset work. It, you just don't understand yet what is going on in your physiology. Um, and once you do, you'll be able to better appreciate how to manage it all. Amen. Um, I want to talk more about the different types of things associated with dopamine. Could you talk to us about like priming and spotlight spotlight effect and present bias? Like how, what are those, all those, how they connect to dopamine? Okay. (laughs) I'm just laughing just because I feel like I get so excited about these topics. I have to remind myself, Kathleen, take a breath, take take a a pause. So this is my breathing pause. Um, So those things are more just understanding the brain as a whole. And And again, it's just this idea that our our brain is there to keep us alive, not happy. And I'll say that over and over again, because I do think it's really important. Again, because people will shame themselves of, I'm not happy enough, or I'm not doing a good enough job. It's like, okay, but like that, that doesn't, for most people, depending obviously on your constitution, everybody has a different genetic makeup. Some people are naturally sort of quote unquote happier than others, but But for the most part, like none of us sort of wake up every day and naturally feel like we have to do the things that make us happy. If if going for a walk makes you happy or listening to a podcast, like I have a very um, specific recipe of things that I do that I know serve me. And that's come from, you know, years of therapy and and years of practice. And um, anyway, so I'm getting off topic. You said priming and spotlight effect and Um, I also really like the spam filter. So these are just things that the brain, they're sort of like cognitive distortions in the ways that the brain um, works. And again, once you understand it, then you're so much better able to manage your internal system. So I will start with present bias because I think that that's maybe my favorite. So the idea of present bias is that when you're not consciously thinking about it, the brain basically thinks that how you feel in this moment is how you're always going to feel, which is obviously not true. But you know, you set a goal on January 1st and you're like, I'm so motivated. I'm going to lose 30 pounds. You don't think, well, I better sit, set up a bunch of systems so that I stay motivated because you feel like you'll always feel that motivated, right? Your sort of unconscious emotional feeling is like, well, I will always feel this, this motivated. And now what we have to teach you is to use your conscious thought to override that and say, actually, you're not always going to be motivated because motivation is an, like, like an emotion that ebbs and flows and you're going to have moments that you're not motivated. So let's set up some systems to help you when you're not motivated. So, you know, let's get you a fitness buddy or let's join a challenge at work or, um, you know, I set my alarm across the room so that I have to get out of bed to turn it off. Um, and that helps me like wake up as I, because I know otherwise it's hard for me to get out of bed. So those are all things. Um, and it also works in the other way when you wake up in the morning and it's 6am and you're warm in bed and you don't want to get out, um, and go to, to go to the gym. Part of what's happening is your unconscious brain sort of feels, well, I am in this emotional state of exhaustion. I don't want to do it. I'll always feel that way. And again, you have to use your self-talk. You have to override with your conscious thoughts and say, thoughts are not facts. Emotions are not facts. How you feel in this, this moment is not how you're always going to feel. 
right? Like, I'm sure you're, you're, you're like, I'm sure nodding you've done yes, that, right? You're yes, nodding yes. your head. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's present bias. And once you understand that that's a cognitive distortion that all brains have, then you can say, okay, I get that. This is just playing a trick on me. This is actually not true. I can make a choice that actually serves me and future me by using sort of my conscious override. Um, and I, I, one of the things that's really helped me with that is my therapist, I've been in therapy for like 20 years. And when I first started with therapy, she made me keep a mood journal that basically on a scale of one to 10, before I worked out and after I worked out, I had to say what I was like one being low, 10 being high on a mood. And I did that for two weeks. And what I saw was even if I was a one going into the workout, I always ended up being like a two or a three or a four or five. Um, and, or even if I went from a three point to like a 3.1, I was always that little bit higher and I felt so happy and proud that I actually did the workout. And so I have that data. So now when I don't want to work out, I can say to myself, no, Kathleen, you, this is present bias. Like you always feel better when you move, when you change your physiological state, you change your physiological state, like moving or meditating or dancing or singing, all of these things they, they change your state. And then Tony Robbins has this thing that he says, um, state story strategy. So change your physiological state, which changes the story that you're telling yourself about your world, which then you can pick a more appropriate strategy, right? So if you're feeling really crappy, don't figure out the strategy before you change your physiological state. Because if you're in bed and you're tired and exhausted, the strategy you're going to pick is I'm just going to stay in bed. But if you change your um, physiological state by moving or listening to some music or whatever, then your the story about your life will change a little bit and then you'll be able to use a better strategy. So, um, yeah, I don't know. How do you, is that, do you do that yeah. kind of self-talk to make yourself work out? Is oh yeah, for sure. And for me with the alarm thing, I left, um, I do that too. And I always, before I turn my alarm on, we have little reading lights on our headboard. I turn mine on. Whoever gets it, turn it on. Very smart. Yeah. You just got to find ways to get yourself yes. going because it's, it's challenging, right? Like, or it can be. I mean, I'm sure that there are some people that just pop out of bed. It's I mean, me. Tom Bilyeu, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tom Bilyeu always says that he said like, he has to get up within 10 seconds or something of like, I don't know, maybe it's 10 minutes. I don't know, whatever. I'm like his alarm going off and he just pops out of bed. And I don't know. I always listen to him. I'm like, oh, that's good for you. Like, that's, that's not me. Yeah. That's supernatural. Yeah. That's not, that's not me either. And for, I, I used to set two alarms. Now I don't. I say one alarm. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, for me, yeah, it's about, I know I feel, feel better after. Yeah. And the days that I don't, you know, I do um, some sort of movement every day, whether it's the mm-hmm. gym, yoga. Um, I like doing like a lot of like at home fitness things mm-hmm. with kettlebells or dumbbells. Um, but breath work and meditation too. Yeah really yeah, helpful. changes your stress yeah it changes, sure. it. changes your state yeah yeah and yeah. for me I wake up early to take care of myself mind body and soul yeah. and obviously take care of the dog and everything else yeah. but you know I work on my podcast I work on my business before yeah. my full-time job so I have to take this whole other wow. layer into it yeah. right and it but it's the same when you said that strategy uh quote by Tony Robbins I'm like oh my god totally I would just yeah. love to be able to wake up and just work straight on my business for a few more hours, but yeah. no, I have to get myself right because if I don't, the rest of my day is just, yeah. you know, up a well, wall. <laughs> it's, I love that up a wall. It's interesting because, you know, 
I do think that everybody has sort of a slightly, you know, genetic makeup that they come to the table with. Yeah. And I really love Tim Ferriss. And he always just, he just sort of describes his morning routine as it's not that it makes him happy. It brings him up to sort of net neutral so that he yes. can face the day. And I've always really related when I hear him talk about that, because that's sort of how I feel like sometimes my workouts will make me like, ah, I'm like, all, you know, really happy. But for the most part, I don't feel like myself until I've done some, mm. some things like a workout, like some breath work. Um, and often listening to a podcast just helps me get out of my own kind of monkey mind. So I don't know. I hope people listening will sort of just hear that. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, I think that it's easy to look at other people and think, well, they have it easy. They're naturally fit. They're naturally motivated. And I hope that people are listening can sort of see and hear how much work both of us put into it. Like yeah. it, it really serves me and therefore I am, it is easier and easier for me to do it as I get older. Cause I have more and more data to show me that it serves me, but it hasn't, it hasn't always been as easy and I'll put in quotes easy. Cause it's not even that it's easy now. I just have so many systems set up and I know so much about my physiology and I know so much that I can sort of say, okay, I'm calling bullshit on that thought. You know, that's a thought, not a fact. Okay. I'm in a bad state. I got to change my physiological state. Like, and I've also set up enough routines. Like the, the, the bedtime alarms is a really good example because it's very me. Like, so I love Britney Spears. So my alarm is not only on the other side of the room, but it's, it's Britney. So when I get up and the, alarm goes and it's playing Britney by the time I get over to the alarm clock to turn it off I've sort of like started to like wag my butt a bit and I'm like in a better mood so that probably doesn't work for you know 99% of the rest of the world but it really works for me so so much of this is just knowing yourself I also know really strongly that it's about when I stop having my coffee like I'm allowed coffee sort of like 10 11 in the morning and then I can't drink coffee after that because I won't sleep as soundly like I just know that the quarter life of coffee is 12 hours and it's just like it you know stays with me. So it's a gradual learning process. And it's all about that sort of growth mindset. And it's about knowing you and what is going to work for you and what doesn't and what will positively change your state. Um, and maybe almost the most critical is knowing that it is positive to change, possible to change your state. Yes. So one of my favorite um, Tim Ferriss podcast was with, um, I think his name is Jim Collins, right? He wrote from good to great. Am I getting his name right? I think so. His book is definitely from good to great. Um, and he talks about that. He does a similar thing that I did with my mood journal, but it's just every day in his journal, he writes, if he's negative two, negative one, zero, one, or two, two being good, negative two being terrible. And why he does this is to show that he can have a negative two day on a Tuesday and then a positive two day on a Wednesday. And that I think is a really, really positive thing to come away with. Because again, I think with because of this present bias, we often think if you're in a bad mood, you'll always be in a bad mood. Or if it's a bad day, it's always going to be a bad day. It's easy to catastrophize. And it's so important to realize that moods can change. But the only way that it can change is if you do something. Like it is, it is, it is changed through action. So if you are feeling really crappy, Find something that you're in control of. Can you dance? Can you meditate? Can you do breath work? Can you phone a friend? Um, can you go to therapy? Can what? I don't know what it is. What can you? If can you pray? Like whatever works for you. Can you do it? And as many of those things as possible. Um, and then take that Buddhist you know, concept of you know emotions come and they go and wait for them. Then then wait for them to pass. Um, but no, have the faith 
um, and I don't mean like, I mean, earned faith, like as in faith based on the fact that you know, from the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life, that your emotions come and go and sort of then say to yourself, okay, I feel like crap in this moment, but that doesn't mean I have to compound feeling like crap and do a bunch of things that don't serve me. That means if I want to move out of this crappiness, then what can I do? And again, I go to, can you phone a friend? Can you dance? Can you, you know, exercise? Um, and that doesn't mean not feeling your emotions, but it means like integrating your emotions into doing things that serve you. I totally a thousand percent agree. I think of this Jim Rohn quote about if you want things to change, you have to change. Yeah. You have, you, if for me, my emotional, like I help people, my online course is anxious to align. So it's so much about what we're talking about. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh but with the emotions yeah. And, and, yeah. and and more not, it can be fitness goals, but, mm-hmm. but it's it, the emotion side of everything and how to harness your emotions to, to achieve your goals. And when I'm stuck in maybe a lower emotion, that's not a bad emotion, mm-hmm. but a he, you know, yeah, heavier those, emotions, yeah. Yeah. it's okay what can I do differently? Normally, you know, yeah. like you said, this present bias is, oh, I'm going to feel like this the rest of my life, or whether it's anxiety or you feel depressed mm-hmm. or whatever. But sometimes you just have to do one simple thing differently, like get up yeah. from your desk, change scenery, go get some water. Yeah. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. something complicated. And that is how you start to build that awareness. And I do the same thing. And I teach my clients the same thing about emotions. Yeah. Right. Every single night at the end of the day, yeah. list the emotions you're feeling and you, once you have the awareness of like what I'm, it changes every day, but you'll start to see yeah. themes come Theme through for sure. And, yeah. And once you start, it's the uh, reticulating activating system and your brain yeah. RAS mm-hmm. is what yeah. you focus on grows. So yes, if we're absolutely. stuck in the negative state and self-sabotaging is because we just start to compound those thoughts and those emotions, yes. which affect our actions. So once we do stuff, something different, we can break that. Yeah, it's, it's a program. Our brains are computers and we pick a yeah. program. It's like, all about understanding. Before. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Hit play. Wow. And Hit once play, we can yeah. hit that pause button and take a second. I love, I love the pause and the productive pause. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like we're just like naming awesomely cool people, but what I feel when you say everything you just said, I yeah. think about this woman called Susan David, who wrote the book, Emotional and Emotional Agility, I think. And what she would say is emotions are data, not directives. And I think Ooh. that that's when you can get that idea, like you feel an emotion. And as you said, you know, write it down, figure out if it's part of your theme, but take a pause and think, okay, what is this emotion telling me about myself? You know, if I'm feeling guilt, okay, well, that maybe tells me that I care about this person and that's great. And I can care about that person without self-sabotaging my own health to do something for that person. Or like you can, so you can recognize what it's showing you about you as a human and you can really honor that, but it doesn't have to be a directive of how you act. And I think with health, that's really key because we often feel like if you feel really sad, often what we want to do to sort of numb that sadness is eat. Right. And so what I would say to a client is, okay, honor that sadness, like say, I feel sad. And then what does that sadness tell you about? Again, maybe you feel sad because you didn't do very well at work. So that tells you, great. I care about my job. That's amazing. And then you can, again, I go, go phone a friend and tell the friend how you're sad, but go for a walk versus feeling the sadness as that directive of I, I must do X or I'm sad. I deserve to eat or I would, you know, and 
again, not saying that you don't sometimes have a beautiful piece of chocolate or, you know, a glass of wine, but you do it after you've taken the productive pause. And then you decide on, you make that choice of what you want to do versus going to, as you said, the sort of programmed, you know, scripts of things. Um, But again, like, I think that understanding the brain is so powerful because like, what are some of the scripts that could come into it? Like, so for example, um, the spotlight effect is an, is a, an, uh, one I'll use because a lot of people will think like, oh, I can't do that because people are going to be watching me and I'll be embarrassed. I can't go to the gym. Like, what if I look terrible at this? And what all the research shows on the spotlight effect is we think that we have a spotlight following us, but people don't care. Right. Um, and there's this great, uh, experiment where, um, somebody's wearing like a gorilla suit and it's going through and they, they think everybody's going to notice that they have a gorilla suit on and then they pull everybody. And like, I don't know, 4% of the people notice that the person had like this crazy gorilla outfit on. So it's just, um, I just, I think that that's another way that when you have these thoughts of like, oh my God, people are going to care and people are going to judge. If you know that that is just a cognitive distortion that the brain plays again, to keep us alive, then you can say, okay, I get it. This is a fear. This is not a fact. And also, even if somebody does notice and does care, do I really care if they care? No. Like part of growing up is being proud and living in your integrity and being okay with the people see you and like going to the gym and, you know, like reframing if somebody sees you doing something wrong. The fact is that it's not a bad thing to do something wrong if you don't know how to do it yet. And it's an opportunity to learn. And so it's all just this wonderful chance to discuss with yourself um, and mature and understand your emotions, right? Um, or if you think about this idea of um, the spam filter, again, is this wonderful idea of, that the brain, there's so much stimuli coming into us at all the time. And again, because we are there programmed to keep us alive, we are not able to take in all that information. If we took in every single piece of information that was coming at us, we'd explode. Like it's just not possible. So our brain has created different quote spam filters where just so much of information, if we don't think it's important, it just goes, it kind of goes past our awareness and we don't even notice it. And that's great unless you're putting things in your spam filter that you actually care about, right? If you want to start looking at more things to think that are more beautiful, like if you want to start noticing the roses or you want to start noticing pockets of joy, or if you want to start changing what you're talking about, that internal thought process. So you need to bring those things out of your spam filter and tell your brain, okay, those are things I care about. And that just takes practice, right? And it's that idea of like, you know, once you have a red car, you see a red car everywhere. And that's because you've taken the red car out of your spam filter and put it into your awareness, your conscious awareness. Um, so again, I just sort of, I, I think that this goes back to that knowing yourself. And if you are a type of person who are at this moment, not being very aware of a lot of health and wellness things, that's okay. You don't shame yourself, but you do say, I'm not happy with that aspect. It is not serving me. So what are the systems that I need to put in place so that I notice the health and fitness stuff? And it could be a journal at the end of the day where you think about, okay, what are the fitness things I did well that I'm proud of? It could be little sticky notes around your house that says like, you know, get up and and shake your booty for a minute and dance. It could be getting a fitness buddy because the fitness buddy helps encourage you to move. Like, I don't care what it is. Um, but I think a lot of people feel like they shouldn't need these aids. Like, oh, I should be able to do it without anybody help, or I should be able to do it without systems. Um, and it's just not true. Um, and also should like, stop shooting all over yourself. Like, what does it matter? Right? Like if it helps you do it, 
if the end goal is that you want to be healthier and fitter, fitter and more alive, then do the things that keep you healthier and fitter and more alive without any shame about it. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you that, What's a system that you use to help you work out? Maybe that's the best oh thing goodness. for us to tell um, listeners, a, a system that system we use. system that I use. Well, I do have my partner. He's my fitness buddy, right? Aww, so that's a nice, a nice so little. Like, yeah. And, and you know what? We've let go of like having to do the same thing every day because it's nice to work out with him. But some mm-hmm. days it's like, I feel like doing something different and that's okay. Yeah. Like he loves going to the gym. And be there for a long amount of time. Yeah, I sometimes like that, but not every day. Like I love I it. Like to do I love it. You're, you're, you're not you're not shitting all over yourself. Yeah. You're like what? Yeah. As long as I move, that's yeah. great. It's you know it's a non-negotiable that you have to move your body, but how you move your body is up to you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I, Kathleen. Thank you. That I, I just looked at the clock and I'm like, oh my gosh, we could go on oh my for God. hours here. Oh my God, it, we have yeah, been talking forever. We oh talking my goodness. For it's been a beautiful episode. Was there anything else like wrapping up kind of the the neuroscience behind kind of goal setting and fitness and all that kind of stuff that um no, I think I'll just end with this idea of the gut brain access. And that's another thing I'm really obsessed with right now. And I think, you know, probably people have heard about the importance of the gut, but um, I really like this. Uh, he calls himself Dr. B. I forget how you pronounce it. Bustia something. It's like a long last name. He wrote this book, Fiber Fueled. Um, and again, he was on Impact Theory and it's a great interview and his book is wonderful. Um, but he talks a lot about the importance of fiber and the gut and branch chain amino acids and like all this stuff. Um and um, I guess what's my point? My point only is, is that when you're trying to understand the brain and how the neurochemistry of the brain impacts your mood and your energy and your sort of resilience, um, you also want to take a look at your gut because if the, if, if your microbiome is not aiding you and supporting you, then that could be causing you a lot of, that could be make your, that could make your health battle an upward, um, uh, a swim against the stream. Let's just put a swim against the current. Let's just put it that way. If you can get your microbiome working for you versus against you, then your health feels much more like, you know, going with the stream or going with the tide. And then if your microbiome is, is not supporting you, um, then it definitely feels like swimming against the tide. So I think that connected, you know, no conversation about the brain would be complete without um, stating how important the microbiome is. So check out uh, fiber fueled or impact theory with him on it um, or anything really about the, that doesn't have to be his work. I just am really into, into him right now. He's got me into sprouting and like, yeah, I really, I really like his stuff. So yeah, I think that's would be my final thought is just your gut microbiome is important. It is. And for me, I know when my biome is more in check, I've always, I've gotten into health and wellness through digestion stuff and we could have a whole nother 14 oh hours. Gosh. We want to talk about digestion. I mean, we'll the, 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 just the fact that I feel like my, I can become more aware of my emotions. And sometimes I still have heavier emotions, but like, I didn't realize how moon swingy based on my gut yeah. biome, it could be. And that was a big yeah. thing when I, um, I cut out like dairy because dairy just yeah. does not serve me. And I yeah. cut out gluten and I'll occasionally have, you know, like the chocolate cake thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, I really feel those two for, and it's different for everybody. Yeah. We're really pivotal on my health journey 
10 plus years ago. Yeah. Um, but I didn't realize how much it did affect my, my overall mood and anxiety. Yeah. And so true. that, yeah, it's, yes. uh, that's a whole nother podcast. We could, it's a whole nother <laughs> podcast, but it really does feel when that stuff is out of whack. I really yeah. genuinely feel like it feels like you're swimming against this massive current. Like everything just feels harder. It's like, if you haven't gotten a lot of sleep and just like your emotions are closer to the surface and everything yeah. feels harder and you feel like you're sort of puffier and less fit and less like, those are the things that, you know, really make a big difference. You're, you your neurochemistry, your gut and your like sleep and all, all of those. Yeah. I don't know. I think that maybe what we end on is just Socrates, that idea of know thyself, you know, I yep. think that with all of this stuff, you have to know what serves you, what doesn't you have to know when you feel good, when you feel, when you don't. Um, and you have to know sort of what expert that you should go to. Do you, is it sort of that a therapist would make the most of a difference? Do you need to see like a nutritionist? Do you see the naturopath? Like where, you know, cause you could go to a million different things and listen to a million different podcasts and, you know, but what is going to make sort of the biggest bang for your buck? Um, and I, again, like, I just think everybody listening, they need to sort of think about it and sort of be like, okay, what's the biggest, I don't know, biggest domino in, in, in the health sphere for them. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen, for coming oh, on. My pleasure. And I always ask, I feel like you already answered it, but maybe you have a different answer. Um, I always oh. ask the last question is how may we, the listeners as a huge act of gratitude be of service for you in return today? Oh. What can we do? Do something that gives you joy. Honestly, I think, especially right now with COVID and everything, yeah. um, you know, it's just life is hard. A lot of people are still not having a lot of social connection and they're not getting enough exercise. They're not getting enough fresh air. And just in general, the sort of ambiance of the world is kind of a little bit sad and depressed and all that right now. So I think what you can do for me is, you know, phone a friend, put on some music, dance around, get a good night's sleep, have a bath you know, go volunteer, whatever, do something that just makes you feel like the world is a slightly kinder, nicer place. Yeah. Cause what you focus on, it will grow. We just there talked about go. it. Oh totally. my goodness. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on again. I had such a wonderful time oh, getting nerdy with you. <laughs> I know. So much fun. And remember, open up, surrender, trust, and let your body lead the way.